Heather Church family, it's good to be with you today through the podcast where we do our midweek sermon recap. We didn't get to do one last week. That's because I was away with some children who were sick, so I wasn't able to come into the office to be able to do it. But we're glad we get to gather here together today to do that with you. Uh, we've been in Ephesians chapter 4 for a few weeks now, and we kind of wrapped up a little section in Ephesians 4. Verses 1 through 16 is its own little section there on unity. And we covered this week verse 14. I was supposed to do 14 through 16, did not finish the sermon, which messes everything up, honestly, on the, back, on the back end. The verses that we picked out to read on Sunday, the songs that we sang had to do with the whole sermon being preached, which didn't happen. Uh, but I apologize. I apologize to you guys for that. I'll try to do better. It doesn't happen that often when I mess things up. I even added scripture, which messed up the screens this week. That was all all on me. And so I apologize to our staff for that. Yeah, no problem. So you okay. guys, were you guys pretty angry? Does it mean you're going to make it up to us by finishing the sermon and preaching the next sermon on <laughs> Sunday? I could potentially no. read the next verse. <laughs> Probably not. Here's a here's a trailer for next <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, the way that I do my sermons, like, I write them throughout the week. I write them during the week. I want them to be done usually by, like, Wednesday, Thursday at the latest. Um, but I don't I don't, uh, I don't, return to my sermon at all during the week until Sunday when I get to church. And so then I usually print the sermon. I have it on my desk, but I also have it on the screen. And so during Sunday school hour, I'm usually, uh, I spend some time praying, but then I also go through the sermon and try to get my mind back to where I was. But then sometimes what happens is like, oh, I should have added a verse here. I should have added this verse or I don't know. Or I don't like this order anymore. Maybe it made sense to me on Tuesday, but it's not making a ton of sense today. So I want to switch something. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of what, what happened. You know, I went back and was like, I should add, I should add these verses here. I think these verses fit well with this pet, with this or whatever. So that's what happened. And I don't know. I feel bad, but don't, same time <laughs> uh, yeah but i know people like to have the words on the screen and stuff and that's why they weren't because i added it too late after the fact but anyways ephesians 4 really just focused on verse 14 which says uh here so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes. There's other passages that talk about this. Uh, we read a passage, which we'll get to next week, but Pastor Spencer this week read 1 Corinthians 13. And as you get to the end of 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about being more mature in your faith as well and the importance and the importance of that. We see it in other places too. Um, the writer of Hebrews at one point, I can't remember if it's chapter four or five, maybe even six off the top of my head, uh, where it says, I would love to feed you with this, but you are still infants needing milk, and so you're not ready for this. So it's really a common theme we see in a lot of different places in the New Testament of where we are encouraged to grow in our faith, to get past the elementary principles that we're still stuck on, that's what it says there in Hebrews, and to move on to other things, to have this foundation. And the only way to do that is to be in the word of God and be cemented on the word of God. And so that's really what verse 14 here is referencing, the importance 
of sound teaching. You know, they listed, Paul listed there um, in the verses before how he's given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, and teachers. And so we see that the roles of those, those people who fill them roles is to teach and to teach God's word, not to teach what they want, but to teach God's word. The apostles and prophets laid that down for us, and now evangelists, pastors, and teachers are out teaching this. And that's what the body needs. We need to be taught. We need to be fed, again, by the word of God, not by other things, by the word of God, so that we can grow in maturity to where we are understanding uh, the word of God better. It helps us understand culture better. Uh, So we have this biblical worldview altogether and centered on what it should be, and that is that is Christ and Jesus and serving him how we should be serving him. And so this is how we grow. This is how we come to be unified, to maintain the fullness of Christ, is through the word of God. Uh, nothing else. It's, it's the word of God. Yes, Jesus has given us a body of Christ that we fellowship together with. We get to sing together, right? We, we have the privilege of doing these things. But there's this special place in the word of God, of teaching and preaching his word, that God uses that for us to grow. And so there is a benefit to sound teaching. When we read verse 14, I don't, I'd like to get your guys' opinion on this, but how it says, no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, craftiness, stimulus. I don't know, but to me, I don't know how we can read that verse and not think, Man, we we see this here. Not just I'm not just saying like NBC, but we just see this in our day and age where people are just seem to be tossed back and forth. One day they believe this, and the next day it's this, and then they they hear this thing and they're like, oh, "Man, this is interesting. Maybe this really is what's true." And it's just like this waves back and forth of never really having this firm foundation. Even though they would say, "My foundation is Jesus," but it's like, "Man, but you seem to waver and waft back and forth over and over again." Am I alone in seeing this? I mean, do you guys? Do you guys feel you see this as well, that this is a problem still or no? I mean, yeah, I think, um, I think that, uh, you know, we all can uh, see that. I think, I mean, I think the church obviously struggled with this in the first century. That's why Paul's writing it um, to this church. And this is a common theme that he will address um, elsewhere in his other epistles. This is a common theme uh, throughout uh, God's word that we're supposed to make progress in the Christian faith. Um, we 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 get we we know Christ, but then we sink our roots deeper and deeper into Him, and therefore we grow up and up more and more. So, um, yeah, I think that that's one of the things that um, hasn't really been taught well, probably at the church at large, is that. Not simply are we saying don't believe these things, but there's really good benefits to being grounded in the scriptures. And this is a good Christian life because you're you're sinking your roots deeper into something that's lasting, the word of God. Mm-hmm. And that will bear fruit, we trust, because the word of God works. And so we trust that it will bear fruit and, and grow us into stronger people of faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think um I think it's it's a common a common uh, thing that um, Christ, that pastors probably have struggled with in every age of the church. It's funny. I was, I mean, I'm a history guy, but Martin Luther at the very beginning of his, uh, one of his works that he wrote, uh, a catechism, actually, he writes at the very beginning that he, they had sent people out to visit the churches and he was, um, I mean, it's kind of humorous, but 
he's very passionate in saying that in his day, in the 1500s, he, he says there are people that claim to be Christians, but they don't know the first thing about Christianity, really. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote that book to help train people in the basics of the Christian faith. So he struggled with it. Paul struggled with it. We do as well today. Yeah. Yeah. Alistair Begg said this, I think this, uh, this week, yesterday, maybe, they posted it. It says, the church in the United States of America at the, mo- at the moment is a kind of tertiary level experience, a bunch of pragmatic how-tos, and it is about to fall on its face because people are not taking the time to put the foundations of biblical doctrine incorrectly. And as soon as the winds and the waves blow and beat upon the house, it will fall with a great crash. Yeah. Good old I Alistair. I think that sums it up pretty well. <clears throat> I mean, Paul, Paul here in Ephesians is using two illustrations, one of, of children, which, I mean, when you think of a child in the context that he's talking about, it, a child is undisciplined, emotionally unstable, and so they could be feeling great one minute and bad the next. Maybe that doesn't only describe children. I know that describes me sometimes too, but the other illustration is also of, of a ship and sailing and I think it's important to remember in this conversation that grounding yourself in truth in the truth of God's word does not mean that the the waves and the wind referenced are not going to come mm-hmm. but what it means is that you will be able to keep the ship on course you and the the wind will be there and it'll be trying to push you it might slow you down the waves will be there it will rock you up and down but you will still be able to stay on course yeah, I'd say this is one of the hard things in counseling. Like, um, you get called to minister to a family who's experienced death, and what normally will be said is, could you share some words of comfort with them? And I've always struggled with that because I'm walking into that room thinking, I don't know where they are in their faith, and the only words of comfort I have to give them are scriptural words mm-hmm. that there's still hope, you can have peace this way, right? There's still joy. Like, I can give these words, but unless... There's some sort of foundation and an understanding of what that means. My words aren't really going to matter. I mean, it's no different than anybody coming in and saying and saying that to them. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be this level of of growth in a person's life for there to be comfort. Now, we trust that God works through his word. And so the reason we want to go in as ministers in those situations is to share the word of God. And we're prayerful saying, God, use your word in this moment, right? for them. Um, maybe even to be able to share the gospel with them. Who knows what you're going to do through this mm-hmm. situation. Uh, but there has to be some work behind that, right? So like testimony-wise, I guess for me, grow up in church, feel like God's calling me into the ministry, go off to school. And I remember thinking, how do I know if this is a good book to read? Uh, like how, 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 how can I determine if that pastor over there, what he's teaching me and this pastor over here, that one of them's good and one of them's not? How do I know, you know, which interpretation is the correct interpret? Like that stuff felt very heavy on me and thinking, I want to know what God's word actually says. I want to do the right thing. But I could see in my limited knowledge, even then, uh, I think it'd be really easy to be swept away into the wrong thing here because how do I know? Sure. And so. I think that's where, at least for pastors, it becomes important, you know, what school you're going to, who you're letting into your life. There's a lot, there's a lot there, but I've seen friends of mine who, you know, they get saved and you're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, you're a Christian now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm so excited. And then the next time you talk to them, they're dabbling in some stuff that's like, 
uh, this is kind of weird. And then you see them again later, and they're way off, right, mm. into right field or whatever. Yep. Yep. They're still Christian, they would say, but it's like, man, I, you're coming at this very different than than what I am. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we want to guard against that, but maybe practically – what do you, what would you guys say? How how do you how do people out there maybe who are like that right now? They're like I don't I want. How do we tell them? What would you tell them to make sure they're growing correctly in the Word of God? Um, I know that's a big question. I know there's like a lot of authors you could say or different things. Is there anything practically off the top of your head? I would just say this, and this might be taking. Paul's illustration to a place where he wasn't taking it, but I think it still fits with what we're talking about. The idea of keeping your ship on course amidst the wind and the waves. A a good sailor is going to make sure that his ship is prepared before he mm-hmm. sets sail. Yeah. Right? And so I think, you know, you were referencing uh, a second ago, Tim, of a family or a person who is going through a very difficult time and they need some words of encouragement from you. You can offer those in that time, but the reality is if if that person or that family has not done the work to root themselves in God's truth it, in the same way that a sailor makes sure that his vessel is fit for sailing before he goes for, on, on this journey, there's going to be some trouble, and there's a limited amount of what you can do. Yeah. And so I guess the practical thing I'm trying to get at is start before the trial comes. Like, root yourself and ground yourself right now. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're going through a significant trial, you know, uh, and you have not already rooted yourself in trusting God, trusting in His faithfulness and in His goodness, mm-hmm. when a time of difficulty and trial comes— when that is exactly what is being tested, mm-hmm. your your belief in God's goodness and his faithfulness, yeah. it's going to be really hard for anybody's encouragement to do you any good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, start before it comes, you know. That's, yeah. yeah. And it takes work because my youngest son has been wanting to build a boat. And so the other day, you know, I come home and he's like, Dad, I built a boat. And I'm like, okay. He's found some scrapped wood and he kind of like, nailed it together kind of like a checkerboard where there's holes all in it and he taped he taped uh empty pop bottles to the bottom and he's like i built the boat that's awesome he's like can we throw it in the pool i want to see if this is going to work i'm like no we can't (laughs) but in his mind he had built a boat and from what he had seen he thinks it'll float right he thinks it'll hold him up he's watched uh alone and he is a pretty little dude (laughs) yeah and it might have i mean he had a lot of two liter bottles on there um so it might have float but it's like, you know, if you take that out on the sea, the first wave is going to topple you over. And I think that is how a lot of people approach their faith. they like, well, I've accepted Christ as my Savior, and the Bible tells me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And so I think I can really approach anything. And then the first wave of life comes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They lose their job, or it's a big, like, theological question all of a sudden comes to them that somebody asked them out of, and they weren't ready for it. And it's like instantly, you just got toppled over. Mm-hmm. And, and the people are standing there like, but I built my house upon the rock and why am I faltering here? And it's like, because you, you weren't actually willing to put the work in to make sure you had a foundation. If my son really wants to build a boat, it's going to take a lot of work. He's going to have to find the wood. He's going to have to find the materials. He's going to have to learn how to read better, to have a plan and to, right. And to do all, it's like, there's a ton of work. And for people to think that when it comes to our faith, that it's any different, it's not. 
It takes a ton of work. Yes, you know, pastors go off and they go to seminary and they do this training. But the normal, everyday Christian who's not called the the saints of what it says here, the body of Christ, they have to do the same thing. I'm not saying going off to seminary, but there's you have to be willing to train. And so practically speaking, you're a part of your church. You're going to the things they offer. So like here, we offer Sunday morning. We offer Sunday school. We have our corporate worship. Sunday evening, we have a worship service where normally most of the time there's preaching and teaching going on there. We want home groups to be happening in people's homes where they're praying together. These things help lay a foundation. We have a a thing outside of Spencer's office of books that we trust where you could read them and learn more. We have the podcast to listen to where we're trying to train and equip and help this midweek thing. Right, We are trying to do things to help our people grow in that way, but it takes them listening. It takes them being here, right? It takes mm-hmm. a commitment on an individual's part to grow. You can't just go to bed and the next morning you wake up and God's filled your head with everything doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think what you're describing is really important because that's actually that's what Paul suggests to them mm-hmm. is yes grow but the reality is you're not growing by yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not incumbent upon you to go and become an expert in all of these theological areas. Mm-hmm. Instead what he says he says rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body Joined and held together by every joint. I realize I'm getting into your sermon this week. Yes, yeah, but, it. but it's <laughs> you're like what we're talking about. I think it would be really easy for a person to come away and think, "Oh, this means that I need to start reading books. This means that I need to start doing my own Bible study." Which those things would be very good. Mm-hmm. But Paul connects this growth that needs to happen to your participation with the rest of the body. Yeah, and so. That, that would be another practical thing of a person who's finding themselves tossed to and fro. It's like, well, make sure that you're you're established yeah. as part of a church because mm-hmm. that will help. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of growth, I think, that happens on your own. But when we think of it in this team concept or like this body concept, I can go off and practice all on my own. I can practice basketball, work on individual skills, individual training. It doesn't mean anything, though, if I'm not on a team. right? I, I need to be on a team to have success and be able to work with the, with the team and I can help the team and they can help me. And then usually it's within failures that we then learn, Oh, there's other places. And so if I'm some Christian just off to the side and I go to church, you know, what I would say is regular twice, a twice a month or three times a month, but I'm not ministering to people. I'm not there. I'm not investing myself in that community, in that community of believers then I'm never experiencing those situations where I have to go hug this person because they just lost their husband. And what am I going to say to them? Right? That Maybe that question never comes up in your little training off to your side on your own, mm-hmm. but now you're hit with it. Same with me going off to college. All of a sudden I was hit with, oh man, I don't have a pastor forcing this on me here. You know, I don't have that. I, I actually have to know or when I took my first pastorate, all of a sudden, I have people coming to me with questions and really want to know answers. I got to make sure I know how to do this, mm. right? I have to be studied up. I have to be ready. Um, and so it's like that for all people. I mean, as the body of Christ ministers, how it says here in Ephesians that we're supposed to do in verse 12, 
as the saints are equipped, they minister to each other. That means sharing the word of God with each other. That means praying with each other. That means truly encouraging one another and being in the trenches with one another when life is hard and difficult. And it's it's those times when we would rather sit out. You know, I don't want to be a part of this because of how much it hurts. No, as we minister, we do that. And the only reason we can do that is because we have that foundation of Christ and we're centered on the word of God because we, we trust in what it says and that we will do this together through him. Uh, by his grace, we can get through these things. Uh, and so that's that's why it's just so important. Now, in my sermon, I was trying to think if this was the word. I don't know if I ranted. I mean, I had somebody tell me, well, you beat us up for 45 minutes today. Like, that's what just happened. And I, I was like, okay, I, I could definitely see that. But it was, it was, I don't know how you guys took it. Maybe you guys took it that way as well. Um, but I don't want to say it was a rant because I purposefully, <laughs> I purposefully talked about the things that I talked about. What do you, what do you guys think? Honestly, was I ranting? Was it a beat up session? Was it me unloading things or what? What? How did you guys feel about? You better it? have candy for them kids. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> oh, for trunk or treat? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, you're applying it there. I, I mean, I I took it as a, a specific application to our church about the concern about being children in specific the immaturity aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, immaturity is something that uh, you know. I was just sitting here thinking about immaturity in general, and one of the things about immaturity. <clears throat> at any age is that especially as a young person one of the reasons why you get so indignant about problems in the world eventually is you're you know if you're a, a young person and then all of you sudden you find out there's a problem in the world whether that be racism or poverty you're shocked and there's a good sense in which you're shocked but then there's also a sense in which you're surprised that the world actually works that way mm-hmm. but part of the reason was is because you were naive and but whenever we're with the people of God, whenever you're with the church, but see suffering comes your way, you're shocked by it. But if you've actually been plugged in with the church, it should lessen that shock because you've seen other people suffer mm-hmm. in your congregation. You're living with them. You're you're coming alongside them, like you said. You're hugging that person um, who's lost somebody. And immaturity has a there's a there's obviously a naivete, which is what Paul plays off of here. You're led astray by cunning. And so part of the reason I think you are passionate is also because you're concerned for the welfare of people mm-hmm. because they can be so easily led astray, any of us, by uh, suffering that comes in our lives, um, by any number of things that, that come along. That's what Paul, I was thinking about, though, with all this is Colossians. Paul was dealing with a similar thing. These people were immature, and one of the ways it expressed itself in, in Colossae was the fact that they thought they had Jesus, but that was the first step. And then they could go add a bunch of other stuff to Jesus. And so uh, Paul says, no, therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. But if we're immature, we're going to think that um, we're going to be surprised by suffering, and we're also going to think that, okay, yeah, the Jesus stuff is okay for Sunday school, but let's get on to the real work. Christianity and what Paul has to show us and to show all of us and hopefully we can remind each other in the church as we grow into maturity is actually we start 
and continue and end in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we just grow deeper in him. Um, but I think that's why it's so important, the yeah. maturity aspect. That's what we are asking for. That's what we're, we're concerned for. And that's what we want for, for all of us yeah. is to be, because then we can actually help each other um, out. In, in I mean, in sadly, my time ran out. The next section talks about truth and love. Right. Right. And so. And you mentioned that at the very end of your sermon. Yeah. Verse 14 is heavy. And I wanted to get the heaviness out because here's just the fact. And we didn't get to hear from Scott who was laughing at me. He had something to say. So we'll let him say it in a minute. But (laughs) here's just the fact. I do not pastor America's church. So when I go in the pulpit, I don't need to always speak about evangelicalism in large in America. This is the problem, which I say often. I think there's times where I have to specifically look at our congregation and say, this is a problem here, right? Like we have to deal with this. Same with if I'm in the store and somebody else's kid is acting up, I'm just like, that's annoying. Maybe if it's my kid, I got to deal with it, right? I got to deal with it. Well, God has called us in this room to pastor this church specifically. And so I don't need to just sit and throw bombs at these other churches of the things they're doing wrong. We have to look within and say, what are we growing to the full maturity that we're supposed to be? Or is there something that is holding us back? You know, and what could it be? Now, don't get me wrong. I am not fully mature in Christ. There's, I'm not. I'm not perfect. But there are people in our congregation who are very mature in Christ. But there are people in our congregation who are not. And so I think my purpose of it was to point out some signs that show Maybe you're not as mature as you think you are, right? Um, and so that's why, like, I brought up the 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 church trend of trying to be less churchy, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe I didn't handle it the best that I could. Because, like, <laughs> my son, after my youngest son was like, Dad, you mentioned something about, like, church basketball and softball, and that's not churchy. What, what the heck did that mean? <laughs> I was like... Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I had to talk about it. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay. I, uh, but trying to relate them, I'm not, I'm not saying those things are bad in themselves. Mm-hmm. I even mentioned like RAs. Mm-hmm. It's not bad in itself, but you can see how we're, that's us trying to be very much like the mm-hmm. world if we can. Right. right. And really the main point was we are different than the world Mm -hmm. and we have to stop being scared of that we have to be okay with that like i am different christ has saved me like that's a big deal and so when we have that and then we start to learn more like like we're doing on sunday nights i wish everybody was there honestly Mm -hmm. god is self-sufficient god is holy because of these things it impacts then how i relate to god and one is worship and so when I go to worship, if God is holy, if God is self-sufficient, if God has given us his word, God has probably told us how to worship. Are we actually doing that? Am I actually living the life I'm supposed to live, knowing all this stuff about God and then what he has done for me to bring him into his family? Right? Those are things that you ask as you mature in, in Christ. And so it is difficult for me to be ministering to a family one second who is just in crisis. Right, And you are trying to love on them. You are trying to minister to them. And then the next thing, you come into the office and there's a note in your desk, so-and-so wants you to call them. And you call them and it's about something dumb and superficial. And they're so mad at the church because of 
I saw you took this picture down in the hallway and it's always been there. What's going on? And you just want to hang up. Honestly, you want to be like, you need to grow up. This is a problem. This is a problem. But you can't say that because then you're seen as unloving and the mature thing's not to handle it that way. But there has to be a time when the pastor, I think, can stand before the congregation and say, listen, there are things that need to be worked on here. And I do think one for us in our congregation is we need to stop being scared to be church people. It's what we are. And we need to worship the right way, the correct way. And we need to make sure we're doing that. And I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a range of being able to do that faithfully, that not every church is going to look the exact same all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a range. But we have to make sure we are doing it correctly if we mm-hmm. want to yeah. mature yeah. in our faith. When you were talking about the churchiness that we, and I, I agree with you, I think that that has been the trend. I mean, I have I wasn't alive since the 50s, which you referenced, but I mean, I've definitely seen and experienced, you know, the concern among, especially like church planters, is if you want to plant a church in an area that doesn't have a lot of churches, you need to make sure that it's a, like I've heard people say the phrase, a church that non-churched people want to go to. And that's like an effort to get rid of the churchiness of church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way I see that play out in churches a lot is not necessarily to add programs like basketball and, and baseball and, and stuff like that, but it's more so to take the explicitly Christian elements of your church and make them more palatable to a person of the world. And so remove uncomfortable elements from your service. Like we've talked a lot about like this this time of confession that's been added. Or even... You know, people might feel uncomfortable when the music is so low that they can hear themselves sing, and that makes them feel strange because we honestly—I would say general, generally people don't participate in events where they are there primarily to hear themselves and others around them sing, but to hear the performer on stage mm-hmm. sing. Right, right. And so that makes unchurched people feel a little uncomfortable and awkward in that situation. And so we try to get rid of those things— but those are some of the explicit things that we believe are 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 catalyst of, of growth that God is using and the church gathering to grow us, to encourage us. And so taking away those explicitly Christian elements mm-hmm. from that. So I, th- I feel like you were kind of talking about it in terms of, in your sermon of, we add things that we think will be attractive to what we do as a church. I think we also do the opposite, yeah. where we we take away explicitly mm-hmm. Christian things yeah. to make people feel more comfortable. It's as almost well. like there's a verse in the Bible that says, "Do not add or subtract <laughs> to the words." Right? Somewhere <laughs> yeah. there's a, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mentioned that, like even with church decor, right? We've took away a lot of Christian elements of a of a church building, mm-hmm. of how how a church service is structured. We've taken things out. We've added things so that people can be comfortable, mm-hmm. right? And again, there's a comfortableness that you do want to do. We've mentioned this before. We're going to have heat, hopefully, in the winter here so people are comfortable, mm-hmm. right? We try to have air condition in the summer so that it can be comfortable. Our pews have pads on them. So there are things that you're going to do. It's okay to welcome people at the door and be nice. Like, that's fine. You want to do that stuff. But I do have a problem, you know, like with the preaching becomes so watered down that it's just like, it's just my buddy up there kind of telling me some things. And honestly, I think that's how it's took a lot. Preaching has went down a lot because that's how people view it. It's like, Pastor Tim, I know that's what you're saying, but eh, I don't know if I really agree or if I really want to hear that. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, too bad. 
you know, this is what, but we've just, in our culture, we've took, we've took that out. Um, or, or musically you hear, this is what I want and this is what I want and this is what I want. It's like, okay, I don't care what you want. What does God want? What does God want from us during the singing portion of time? Or you go back, you know, people used to say pastors talk about money all the time and you don't hear it as much anymore, but the Bible does say you should give. Well, I know I don't really want too bad. You're supposed to do that. Like if you're going to honor him, you are going to give not just your money, but of your time also. And of, you're going to give it to this body that God has put you with. Cause that's what you're called to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Right? I don't know. It's just gotten so watered down where now I think if people picture a sermon, it's a guy with a TV next to him clicking through. There'll be some funny aspects you know, you're going to hear a story maybe about his life. And in the end, you might be told, now go try to do mm-hmm. this. It's a TED Talk. Yeah, it's a TED Talk. You're right. Um, and that's not preaching. Right. That's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah, no, I think one of the things you brought out there, um, and it seems like a common thing too, is is that we, we're asking the wrong questions as well. Like what you said, instead of asking, what do I want? What does God want? Um, part of it comes from asking, I think, people did ask questions in the past that were probably sincerely motivated about how can we reach the loss. Yes, absolutely. But also, um, those aren't the only questions to mm-hmm. ask as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, not asking good questions from the Bible's perspective. And uh, also just a lack of confidence in preaching, in the Word, in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus Christ, that... Um, you know, this is the way, this is, this is what it is. You know, Christianity is, you can't make it what you want it to be. You take the whole burrito or you get none of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, preaching and the word and the Holy Spirit, that's part of the burrito, the whole enchilada. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to pick and choose what you want out mm-hmm. of it. You can't scrape the beans out. Yeah. I mean, th- this comes as a package deal. Mm-hmm. And so I like, I, I like Mexican food a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that element that you, that you're talking about there of like having confidence in those yeah. things is it's, it's not that asking the question of like, what will bring people to Christ or like, what mm. can we do to bring people to Christ? That's not the wrong question right. to ask, right? but like what all of the, the kind of the things that we've been talking about, about trying to remove the churchiness from church what that reveals is that people are asking the right question, but they're going mm. to the wrong answer sure. because they might not have the confidence in the Word of God in right. these regular, ordinary things that produce change in people's lives that God is working through. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the right question to ask. We as a church should want people to come to know the Lord, yeah, yes. but we should also place our confidence in the place that Scripture tells us we can have confidence. Right, right, right. You know? right. I hope right. this analogy works, but like, I think about where where we live, we're big we're a big union place, and so you see a lot of buy American, all this different things. I work for Ford, I drive a Ford, kind of stuff like that. Let's let's try to think of this in, in this realm. I think what's happened in America Christianity culture is we have started to stop caring about quality, but just quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like companies, they go overseas, right? And they say, we're going to have this made in China or India. And it's because it lowers their cro- costs greatly. And then people like us, we go on Amazon and we buy this product. We're like, it's only seven bucks. You know, if I buy it at the store, I know it's made in America, but it's $25 there. But what we find out a lot of times is when we get that $7 item, it actually does break faster. Mm-hmm. And now I got to buy it again. Right. And now I got to buy it again. And it's, it's, there's a problem. And what I think has happened in a lot of churches who've tried to, they've tried to manipulate the culture to where everybody feels welcome here. 
and they are producing some really big numbers. But what you see is you see the truth of this Ephesians 4, uh, 14 carried out. As soon as there's problem, you watch those people fall and fail. I guarantee it. Many of them. Now, some work. Some, some it does work. And there's a true faith there. They're holding on. They're being discipled. And it is real. But for a lot of it, it just crumbles because it's not built on Christ and God's word. It was built on you had a play place for their kid. And they really liked the things you said, like it sounded good. And so they are, it, it, it's built on sand and it's going to wash away completely. And so when you really start putting the numbers together eternally, you're going to see that probably wasn't worth all that stuff that you mm-hmm. did. You've watered things down. And also, one of the, I don't know if we have very many clear instances of in the New Testament, we know unbelievers came into the gathering of this church. We don't have too many examples of that, though, explicitly mm-hmm. described. One of them, though, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And what happens is, whenever unbelievers come into the midst, Paul says this, he's talking about tongues, right? But mm-hmm. he says, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter... Will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now, we want to be welcoming. We want to love people. But we also can't eliminate the convicting part mm-hmm. and the, the fact that people should come into our church and feel like an outsider at certain, if they're an unbeliever. You should feel like an outsider. Mm-hmm. That's just like like if I go, um, you know, to go to some other, you know, if I go to something else and I'm an outsider, I'm going to feel like that. And I should because I'm not in the know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, our hope is that through the preaching of the word, God will call you and you will be brought into the know. Mm-hmm. But we can't eliminate that. We can't stop that. Um, and so while we want to welcome you, we hope you come and hear the word. There is a barrier there. Mm-hmm. that only the Holy Spirit can change. And so um, we can't just, but if we're only worried about making you comfortable, yeah. I mean, I've heard the thing, right? Martin, Lu- or Martin Lloyd-Jones hated that, right? Mm-hmm. At the beginning, he mm-hmm. never wanted to welcome anybody right. to the church because it's not his church. <laughs> right, yeah. right, I think he was, yeah. he was, he was yeah. like that. But I just think um, while we want to be nice to people, we want to welcome them, we want to show them where they can, where the bathroom's at, where they can get a seat and how yeah. we can love them in the nursery and the, take care of their kids, right? We also, you know, well, the, even the church even, is going to feel awkward at some level because you're coming into contact with a holy God. Charles Spurgeon's wife, they would sing hymns as a family and she wouldn't let her kids sing the hymns. She'd say, this isn't for you. Yeah. You can't sing this yet. You're not. You're not a Christian. Like that's just that would be appalling, right? To hear today, right. a principle that I've heard that I've just found helpful because it's so uh, simple and to the point is just in in the church. What you in terms of like bringing people to know the Lord, what you win them with is what you win them to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we can apply that to so many different circumstances, like whether it's a a play place or a children's program mm-hmm. for their children. Well, what happens the moment that program goes away? Oh, listen, that family's gone. What happens yeah. if, like we're talking about comfort, you were mentioning comfort, if you win families to be part of our church by making them feel comfortable, what happens when Tim starts preaching a sermon series and he gets to a text that is clearly calling people to do things that make them uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. 
right. because that is going to be part of Christianity and them living their lives as Christians. Mm-hmm. They're going to be gone. They're out of here. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. so what you win them with is what you win them to. Yes. And that, yes. that could be anything. And so that's why trusting in these basic things, these simple things is mm. really important. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and also, if you if you don't like being convicted, then don't become a Christian. Yeah. Because you should be convicted every week. As the law of God is preached, I'm still a sinner. And I am going to, the old Adam in me is going to get hit with the law again. But the point of the gospel is that I don't have faith in myself anymore. Mm-hmm. You're, you're pricking me to, to destroy the faith in myself so that I will find my faith and my life in, in Christ. And I've heard it said recently that, you know, one of the problems with modern-day preaching is that we're not trying to create faith in, uh, in Christ. We're trying to inspire people to have faith in themselves so that they can change. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of preaching today. A lot of churches are going out there to inspire you, and that's what people come into churches because they want to get inspired. But that's not the point of preaching. We don't mm-hmm. come here to inspire you. We come here through the word of God. We trust that God's word is going to convict you to kill your old man, the old sin, and raise you alive in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. for what he's done by grace alone and now put you back on your feet so you can walk in him. Yeah, That's what preaching does. Mm-hmm. But we don't come to inspire you um, because you can't have faith in yourself because you're gonna. that's going to burn you out quick, quick. Here's the fact. I mean, for me, pastoring i would love to be that pastor that was just trying to get people in by gimmicks to me that's easy i mean to me that's the easy route to just try to be relevant like let's do tiktoks and let's be on instagram which i don't again there's i'm not saying that's necessarily wrong but to but to try to do that i i think that would be easy and it wouldn't be that difficult what is hard pastorally is to see when culture is pushing in too deep and to push back and say, we are not doing this because this isn't what we do. We trust in this. This is what God's word says. And to me, that's very countercultural. And what's happening is you get a lot of people who've been in church for a long time saying, you don't really love people. Hmm. You don't really care about people. If you did, you would be doing these things. See, these other places are. It's like, no, I'm actually not doing them because I actually love people. Mm-hmm. I love you. And I want you to know that this isn't what is best. What God has given us is best. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful. right? We need to be careful here. And that is hard because people get mad about it, right? People leave over it. And it's heartbreaking because it's like where you're going is not good. You know, It's not healthy where you're going. And I'm not saying I'm the only one preaching anything healthy. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that. But oftentimes it's like you're not going somewhere good or healthy or good for your family or good for your kids. And it's heartbreaking. You know, we I've experienced what, what you said, Scott. Uh, are you going to extend children's church to over to like eight years old, nine years old? No. All right, we're probably going to find another church then. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. Hmm. You know, and it would be easy to say, uh, sure, yeah, you're kicking, just keep going. Like, But it's like, no, that's not actually what we think is best for you. Well, then we're going to leave. And it's like, well. You have that choice, but it's it's heartbreaking mm. to see that. And so it's not easy, I think, if you're doing it out of love. And that that's my main concern, I guess, even with yesterday's mm-hmm. sermon, is I want to make sure that I preach how I preach out of, out of love and compassion and care. Not to look at everybody and say, you idiots, you've been doing it wrong for so long. I don't think that. I was saved in this church. I was raised, <laughs> right? I think it's great. It's great. But I do think there are some things that, we can work on 
right? And we need to be careful. I don't want to be one of those churches that we're just on the word of God on our website, mm-hmm. but we actually live that way. We are built that way, and everything we do is geared that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is becoming more countercultural every day, even within the church, even with the, within church people. It's becoming countercultural and starting to be seen as unloving. Right, right. And it's difficult. It yep. is. It, it, it yep. is very hard. Um, but I want, I want, you know, again, the people listening to know we do these things because we love you, right? We, we have this, we have the podcasts, the services. We really are trying to do it out of love and care and concern, hoping that we can all attain what verse 13 says in Ephesians 4, to attain the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, uh, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that can only be done by being in God's word and have sound teaching together. And we're going to get there next week, what Scott mentioned about you do that in truth, but also in love. That's a balance that has to be that has to be done. So, all right. Anything else? No? All right. Well, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, next week we will be in Ephesians chapter 4. Well, I'm going to finish this, 15 and 16. I'll, be, I'll finish it, I promise, this week. <laughs> Spencer. Sure. All right. Well, God bless. Hope you guys have a good week. Okay. Bye.